Do you know what bothers me the worst about social media right now is that there isn't anybody talking any shit about me right now. You wouldn't believe how much that stuff fires me up. I love that stuff. Episode 12, Tank Slapping Podcast. Another week. Here we are. No racing. Not much going on, but we're here. Podcast game is strong. Jake Johnson on the other side. Jake, same old stuff. You wash your van anymore this week? Uh, no, I didn't. I have to, though. It rained a couple days, and I drove it, and it's looking looking pretty bad. So I think there's some sun in the forecast the next couple days, so it's, it's on the list. Yeah, I'm excited. It was uh, shitty weather here, honestly, for a few days. It was cold and rainy. I see pictures and videos of people down in Florida. They're riding. It's like 95 degrees, and we're stuck back home in Pennsylvania, and the weather's garbage. But, uh, nah, we're keeping this podcast thing going strong, trying to give you guys something to listen to, some racing to uh, talk about a little bit. Tonight we have Jared Meese on the show. So that should be a good one. Uh, Jared is obviously a pretty good friend of Jake and mine. We go a long ways back with Jared, and Jared gets a lot of flack for being Jared, so we're going to ask him what makes him such an asshole on this show tonight and, and get some other insight from the guy and, and things like that. But uh, before we get started, I want to give a shout-out to our newest sponsor of the show, Gerenser Motorsports. They are a Harley-Davidson and Indian motorcycle service, performance and pre-owned sales dealership in Elkhart, Indiana, right by the Michigan border. They have 55-plus years of experience running a dealership, and they're also the sponsor of the Cool Beth Nilla race team that sponsors Sammy Halbert this year. So shout out to them. Visit their website, GarantzerMotorsports.com. And uh, if you need some bike work done or want to look at a new or used motorcycle, hit them up. Uh, what else is new, Jake? Anything anything popping off in the flat track world this week? Nope. Still not racing. Still, uh, <laughs> I guess the, uh, what, the social distancing got to extended another month i think right what april 30th i think is uh is the new date but uh i I guess that doesn't mean much for us we were expecting uh what may 30th by the time we're gonna be back racing again so uh yeah i i don't know (laughs) still uh still trying to figure it out and uh trying to stay busy i've actually been uh Working on some stuff, working on some race bikes a little bit, making some cool little parts and just kind of trying to fill some time, trying to trying to make the bikes the best I can while we, while we can. But I don't, all I want to do is ride, and you can't. There's anywhere. nowhere to ride. There's nowhere. Yeah, I'm I mean. Trying to, I'm trying to go to down to Virginia this weekend or sometime this week because it's the only moto track uh, that – isn't limited to a certain amount of riders or, or you know, still running, running full swing. But, uh, but then Briar texted me that now, I guess like within the last three hours, Virginia just, uh, issued like a stay at home thing. So that's probably, probably going to be uh, shutting down here pretty soon. Yeah. There's nowhere to ride. I mean, it'd be an all right thing if we could ride somewhere, but, um, I have the same idea you do. Like, I want to go in the garage and work on my bikes, but the problem is I don't know how to work on anything. So I go out there, and I just clean a bunch of shit, put stickers on stuff. Um, Actually, the other day, I did install new lock-on grips for my motocross bike. They seem pretty mild to most. Yeah, it was a lot of work. I was a little nervous about it. There was, like, four different cams in the throttle. You had to match up with your bike, and 
it seemed a little complex, but I figured it out and uh, put lock on grips. But yeah, there's there's not much going on. I've been trying to bicycle a little bit here and there and been training Cruz. Cruz can go out. He can ride his Stasic in the basement. He can go out in the parking lots and rip around. So we're we're training the next PW50 champion, I guess, for the next couple of years, just working with him a little bit. And yeah, no racing, but we are still looking for show sponsors. We're doing 50% off all the packages we have until the end of the month. So if you're interested, hit Jacob or Carter, and we can get you guys a proposal. The only other thing we're working on right now is we are doing, well, it's actually Jake's idea. It's a pretty good idea, and Jake and Carter and myself have been working on it. We're going to do a little flat track Jeopardy here in the near future. Jake, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we're doing flat track Jeopardy. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I mean, now that there's no racing news or anything, I figured it'd be something fun to do. Uh, come up with some flat track trivia and uh, try to get a couple riders or a team of you know flat track people you know each week or however we end up uh, deciding to do it but yeah just something fun the winner gets nothing but yeah i don't we know got stickers so, we can we can yeah get we, got, some stickers, we got stickers though. we got stickers so i don't know because i thought it'd be fun um for people to do and uh share some knowledge too maybe get a little into the history of the sport and maybe reveal some things that people didn't know or whatever but yeah like i said there's not much going on so trying to find something to uh we're trying yeah. we're trying yeah. we're so running out of we're ideas. gonna try it we're, we're we're in the in the works right now we might do a little trial trial episode with it and uh if it uh, if it goes well we'll we'll maybe keep it going or if it sucks tell us it sucks and we won't do it again we're all about honesty here. It's this what we do. But yeah, speaking of that, I appreciate all the uh, all the comments and the feedback from the Dave the Spain podcast we did last week. It was it was awesome. I'm still I'm still smiling about that episode. That guy had a lot of insight, and I'd like to have him on again. Honestly, I think I think he's got a lot of stories to tell. And yeah, if you guys have any guest ideas, like I said, we have Jared Meese tonight. We're um, scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit to get to get some guests. Um, Going from Dave to Spain to Jared Meese. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We'll have to uh, have to see how that goes. But no, we're excited to have Jared on. Like he's got no filter, and we don't have a filter. And yeah, I think that that should make for a good show. Actually, it's it's coming close to that time. Carter's on the other line, on the other side of the computer here. I see he's drinking a White Claw tonight. That brings back memories. <laughs> um, you want to give Jeremy a call? We're a little, a little bit early, but I think he'll pick up. Yeah, I'll give him a call right now. I'm calling Jared Meese. Is he there? He joined and then he left. You think me and Jake suck at technology? That guy is like, he probably still has a beeper. Or a Nextel. Hello. Jared Meese, Corey Texter, Jake Johnson. How are you, dude? Sorry about that. I'm good. Sorry about that. That was talking to Murphy on the other line. Oh yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, last year's champ, man. We're uh, happy to have the former champion on the show. What have you been doing to stay busy? Um, I've actually been doing quite a bit of stuff around here. I'm still down in Florida, and uh, I've been knocking out some stuff that I've been wanting to do down here for a while. 
I bought this house down here, and it I bought it off, like, some guys that used to, well, they were Italians, and, like, the whole house was, like, had these pillars and, like, this railing coming out in front of my house. And anyway, I took down the pillars right away because some things really just bugged me. And then the railing I left up for a while and I had mixed emotions about taking it down, but I took it down. So I've been doing that, some landscaping. I'm pretty good. I think I'm pretty solid for this week, but next week's going to be a stretch. Yeah, that's kind of what we've all been doing, just trying to stay busy, find something to do. Yeah, I I can imagine you with nothing to do. You Do you have any fingernails left, or did you chew them all off? Them puppies were off before they come. <laughs> 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 Things are gone. Yeah. Uh, I'm not one to really kind of – I'm not a very chill person, as you yeah. know. So uh, I'm doing all right, though. I mean, it's been really warm down here, like actually abnormally warm. So it's been kind of nice out at night and things like that. But I've been doing pretty good. I've been doing pretty good. I kind of wish this very moment I had, like, the property I had in Michigan, like kind of down here because I'd have more to do. But I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's funny. For for people that don't know Jared Mees or myself very well, I would have to say we're – pretty opposite when it comes to that you know we, we always call jared pretty high strung and i've always kind oh, of yeah. been pretty mellow and go with the flow and i know i'm like jumping out of my skin right now so i i can't even imagine what uh what nicole has to go through right now with uh she with what's going that as me anymore <laughs> <laughs> i rubbed off on her she's pretty she's just as bad as me she can be keeping herself busy and Hayden's been kind of keeping us all busy. It's funny because everybody's like, oh, I'll just watch some Netflix and stuff. Like, look, you don't get to watch Netflix during the day when you have a two-and-a-half-year-old running around. It just doesn't work, you know? No. Nah, no. No. Time job. <laughs> well, you know, we reached out to the fans. They, they had a lot of questions for you compared to some of our other guests. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we took, took a few of them. Ooh, I am so bored. I can't wait to answer every one of them. All righty. Well, <laughs> the uh, the first question is, uh, as a multi-time national champ, what advice would you give to an up-and-coming amateur rider whose goal is to someday be a national champ? Ooh, I would say um, it's probably just cookie cutter, what everybody else would say, but don't ever give up and uh, work extremely hard at it. Wake up every day and try to put something towards your program to make you and your program better. Whether it's a Sunday or a Monday or it's Christmas time, just try to wake up and whether it's contacting sponsors and trying to get your name out there, whether it's training, whether it's stretching, whether it's uh, typing, typing articles to uh, magazines, no matter what, like try to get up and go to bed every day and say, all right, I, I'm going to make my program better and go to bed by saying I, I did that and do it again the next day. That's one uh, piece of advice that I got in a long time ago. And I, I actually try to live by that pretty daily. And if you train every day, of course, you're training to be better. So I do like to train a lot. And uh, so I guess I could say at least put something towards my program every day. But I would say that would be the best piece of advice I'd give somebody. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you that you've been the best at that. I, I would have to say, uh, most of your career. I mean, you've you've thanks, man. 
That's what that's what Jared Meese does. He eats, sleeps, breathes uh, flat track motorcycle racing. So uh, uh, next one. The president. <laughs> no, oh, I know. I know. I mean, <laughs> well, what do you got to be? You got to be, what, 45 years old, another 10, 12 years. Was that uh, t- uh, 2032? Jared Meese for president. Calling it calling it right yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> I would not make a good president. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, next question, uh, what we got here when, when you retire, when you're 45 years old and run for president, um, will you consider on promoting more races? I don't know what that means. I guess, uh, I guess maybe more than, more than just Lima or, um, when you retire, are you going to continue to do Lima or? How's that going to work? Yeah, I want to continue to do Lima as long as it makes sense to do it. And when I make sense, it's just all fronts. The fans are still interested in it. You know, the sports uh, capable of having the event. You know, I mean, there's was some scare there a couple years ago about, you know, flat track getting too big for events and places like Lima. And, um, you know, I, I always said when I had my meetings with, the higher ups at AFT that, you know, I don't want to ever let the Lima half mile hold the sport back by any means, but I, I don't see uh, the Lima half mile holding the sport back anytime soon. And that's not taking anything away from American flat track. I just think the Lima half mile is uh, kind of a legacy event. It's pretty badass, And it's one of the only events that we have on the schedule right now. That's kind of a, that is a cushion half mile. And I mean, yeah, Oklahoma city's a cushion, but, Lima has been around forever. So uh, I think it'll stay. And as long as it stays and it all makes sense on all fronts, I'd like to continue to, to promote that, whether that's five more years, 10, 15, 20. And as far as bringing on more events, I would actually like to possibly promote another one even today if it, if it would make sense. I would love to bring back Hagerstown, Maryland and have myself promote it. And I'll say it. I mean, I would love to do that. And, uh, so in the future, would I do it? Sure, but I'm kind of a businessy guy, and I'm not just going to do it just to do it. It's got to, it's got to make sense all the way around. And at the end of the day, I I want to go to the bank on Monday and make a deposit. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> With that said, uh, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's, uh, yeah, it's a simple question. It's got to make sense. And uh, yeah, I mean. You know, Jared Meese isn't isn't uh, isn't dumb. He's not gonna he's not gonna lose money on uh, on promoting races just because he likes to do it. So, uh, next question. Uh, I think I know the the answer to this. Hey, hey, Jared, what was your favorite bike to race as an amateur? <laughs> uh, favorite bike to race as an amateur? Yeah, it was the Rotex, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, funny. Rotex. We uh, I think the road Texas, everybody's. Yeah, it's funny. Me and Jared kind of had uh, kind of twin road Texas. We kind of both got them, got them secondhand, but uh, we both had identical J and M Dual Shock uh, uh, road Texas growing up, and had some battles on those things. But yeah, we, we always we always joke because uh, Jared's old man. He would always ask Jared about the road Tex and this and that. So we, we always like to. Uh, we always like to make fun of dude he was so into that he's he's still into that bike for sure but he's kind of like i mean he he isn't up on the social media thing really at all like no facebook no nothing and 
it was up to like three years ago, you know, we would be going to like, I don't know, say uh, Springfield or, or like Joliet or something like that or Bulls Gap or something. And it was a Grand National, you know, I'm going to race the, you know, the Indian or the XR. And he'd be like, man, are you, you going to ride the Rotex this weekend? It's like, no Dad, sorry, <laughs> man, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a twins race. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I just remember yeah, all your bikes had flames on them, and they were all shined up and polished, and it was like straight out of Coatesville. Everything was polished up. Yeah, he was he was into making them things look pretty for sure. And <clears throat> yeah, the Rotex was probably. Uh, I actually still have the bike. It's it was probably my favorite bike as an amateur growing up, you know, it was the last bike that you had before you turned pro. And even when you turned pro, you, you continued riding the bike for a while, or at least, you know, you or I did Jake. So it's, uh, it's in my garage and, uh, I'll, I'll keep it forever. Yeah. If you retired, would qualifying in the vet class at Loretta's be a possibility? Hmm. You know, I actually never really thought about, going to Loretta's until like, I don't know, it was like sometime the last six months or something. Maybe like my buddy Craig Pickett was down and I was riding with this guy down here in Florida. His name was Tony LaRusso and people don't probably know on the podcast like Tony LaRusso, but he finished sixth in the uh, 125 East in like the late 90s, like 98, I think. And uh, Carmichael won it that year. He finished like sixth. So obviously the guy had serious speed, you know. And uh, we would go to the motocross track, and he was kind of like my gauge this entire winter. And although he, I mean, yeah, he was hands down, like if we're on equal stuff, he was faster. But it wasn't like light years, you know what I mean? Like he was faster, but it was like, okay, you know, it's not like out of judgment. It wasn't like Barsha going out there or something. And on my way home the one night, I was like, man, I was feeling pretty good at the motocross track. And I was like, man, I was only, you know, maybe a second and a half slower than Tony a lap, you know, or something. And I don't know, somebody, Craig shouted out, man, you ought to do Loretta's when you're all done. But, man, I don't know. I I think when I'm all done racing, like, the last thing I might want to do is, like, train harder to go win the vet class. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, that's what I'm going to do. I don't, I mean, I, I don't know what, so. I don't know, man. Maybe I might. I don't know. I don't know. Everybody says you should, you should experience it. It's a lot of fun. I guess it's super, super like hot at time of the year down there. That's all I keep hearing about. So maybe, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Um, what was it? At some point this winter, I think I was talking to Briar or something. And he was like, man, there was some, some old dude at the moto track today was hauling ass, blah, 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 finished sixth, you know, and blah, 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 Supercross championship. I'm like, what's his name? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember his name. Blah, blah, blah. So, so I look it up, you know, who finished sixth, East Coast, whatever, blah, 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 whatever year. And I see the name Tony LaRusso. I'm like, holy crap. Like, I think he was from Massachusetts or New Hampshire or something. Yeah. So growing up in Jersey, Pennsylvania, like that guy, he would show up at some of the local tracks in Jersey. I'd go to like English town, some of those places like that dude was like the local legend here. That that guy's still riding and still, still ripping it, you know, at the tracks in Florida. It's uh, it's pretty cool. But uh, next question. Uh, do you feel there needs to be restrictions for amateur riders to get their professional license it seems like 
they're very lenient on handing them out for the singles class. What do you think? Mm, <clears throat> I would have said yes, like maybe two or three years ago, but I think American flat track has actually done a pretty good job with trying to root through, you know, who they feel like is, is capable of, of getting a license myself. Um, I think when Chris Carr was working at American flat track there, he was pretty good at knowing who was who. And if he didn't know who they were, he knew who to call right away. Um, and I think they've actually put some restrictions on and really, really kind of, uh, made sure that they were handing out licenses that people were capable of it. And I think American flat track is not only looking for people that are capable, but they're also looking for people that want to take it serious and be able to call themselves a professional, not just, Hey, look, I got a pro license and I'm going to ride one or two races a year. And I believe there's also some sort of guideline in the rule book where you have to at least attempt to qualify for what, six races or something a year. I don't know if that is for the singles. Yep. Six. Just for, with a twin. No, it's yeah, six, six. Yep. So, yeah, so they're, they're doing a pretty good job of trying to make people that want to do the American flat track series, trying to make them professionals, which is, I, I do a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, honestly, I think, I think the guys who shouldn't be out there are the guys that have had a license for over a decade. Uh, you look at some of those guys that are, finishing you know the last five or ten spots and qualifying it's not the younger kids really or like the 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 new guys that get their pro licenses it's guys that got it 10 years ago and they just keep reapplying and it's like uh it's like man so yeah it's it's a tough one for sure i've had my license for 18 years bro what what are you trying to say well, you're you're, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you show up for six, dude. You're good. You're, you're in the clear. Man. You're in the clear. We didn't know if Jake was in the clear at, at first. We we weren't sure if he was gonna. Yeah, I almost yeah. didn't make the cut. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, last question for you. This is from a race mom. She uh, typed out a question and. The local wrestling coach asked the parents of their their son that races when he was going to join or start doing a real sport in reference to wrestling. Um, it's just pretty much saying racing is not a real sport. What would you say to that coach regarding the athleticism and physical demands requirements involved with racing motorcycles? Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was like going through like just high school and you know, I would tell people like, yeah, you know, I race motorcycles, whatever. And they just like, nobody got it. Like nobody understood it that, I mean, the the kids, the, you know, the teachers, the principal, they just were like, yeah, this is just the dude that's just showing up in his backyard and saying he's racing motorcycles. And then I won a couple pretty good awards. I think it was when I won the horizon award or something, there was this big write up. And then like the local news got a hold of it. And then all of a sudden it was like, the principal got a hold of it was like, oh, this is pretty cool, you know? And then still my wrestling coach hated me going racing. Like the only thing he liked about me racing was that I had great balance in wrestling and he thought it was all because of racing. But other than that, that day that I skipped going to States and went to Daytona, that was the end of like me and my coach's eye contacts in the hallway. <laughs> like it was, it was over, you know? But I mean, what can you say to a, a, a wrestling coach? Like wrestling is by far the coolest, one of the coolest sports. And man, I almost said like the coolest because it really is an awesome sport. There's like no excuses. There's nothing. There wasn't, my bike wasn't getting traction. That's why I lost or, 
whatever. It just, if you got beat, you just flat walked off and it was like, I got beat. And that, and that was what was so cool about wrestling was you didn't have any excuses. So it's tough, I guess, for the ball stick in sports to, to understand, you know, what goes into racing and how much more, uh, physical fitness it actually takes than what people think. Although you got to be physical fit, no doubt for wrestling. It's just, and one time said that like motocross was the toughest sport, like the most physically demanding sport was motocross. And, uh, I'm not going to argue that because man, it's, it's definitely tough, but to answer the, the girl's question, I would just, you know, just basically answer it to her. Like, man, I understand where the coach is coming from. They just don't understand until they're in it. And that's all I can actually say, because all you're going to do is argue with them, which one's the hardest sport, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people that play badminton will probably argue that badminton's the hardest sport. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's just everyone's partial to what they do. So it's kind of, yeah, I, I would kind of agree with you. I just don't even bother arguing. Just do your thing. And, and when you, when you get rich and famous, like Jared Meese, you can say, ah, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I will say that re- if, they're, if they're involved with wrestling, like that's step one, in my opinion, on on being successful in life, uh, regardless of racing. Like, I really think that wrestling has taught me the most about life out of everything, honestly. Like, I know people probably snicker at that, but it's like you had to have so much self-dedication and so much drive to you know, wake up and go, and go wrestle. And, and, you know, the weekends when the normal kids were out there having fun or doing whatever, it was like, I went to bed in a trash bag, sweated all night long, woke up, was still overweight and like lost weight, spit in a cup, you know, pulling my underwear down in front of four coaches and a referee on and stepping on the scale with my twig and berries <laughs> hanging out. It was like, you know, it's like, you know, it was like, that is determination right there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, we appreciate all the fans for, uh, for reaching out and uh, asking Jared questions and to follow up on the wrestling question. Uh, we have our own questions for the show, but this next segment is sponsored by Crusaders motorcycle club. They host the Medina TT in New York. Uh, make sure you guys check out their schedule and find one of their races to attend and support later this season as a fan or a rider. But our first uh, question from me and Jake, I guess we'll get right into it. We've been talking about it. The wiles versus Meese wrestling match. Um, legit rules, three periods, you know, folk style, like high school type scoring, who wins and, uh, will it ever happen? Oh man. Well, if you're interviewing Wiles, you'd be like, ah, you know, it ain't even worth, it ain't even worth, uh, you know, talking about it. He already knows what the outcome would be, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to say that if we got on the wrestling match and we, went toe-to-toe honestly i will give that guy a a true run for his money i really do feel i'm not going to sit here and say oh man it's over like it's not even worth wrestling because i'm going to kick his ass like i'm going to say hey the dude the bad thing is the dude's got some weight on me but i'm not going to use an excuse but people that know wrestling know that like hey 20 pounds is a pretty pretty big weight difference between two guys that know what they're doing on the match. But, like, whatever. It'd be fun to wrestle and have at it. But I think that anybody that thinks that, man, you know, one guy is just going to mop one guy over, I I don't think it would be. I think it'd be a good match. There's too much pride between both of us to just, like, 
you know, shit the bed, right? Would it turn into a fist fight, or you think he could keep it pretty, pretty? Uh, <laughs> I would. I, I mean, I wouldn't be worried about myself, and I really don't think I'd be worried about Henry either. Like, I don't think it would turn into that. No, I think it. Yeah, I, I don't know all the days. He's got to weigh twenty pounds. He's got to have twenty on me. Uh, Henry's about my size, maybe a little. Probably weighs a little more than me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. I don't know much about wrestling that like the, the first thing that I, I would see is just the leverage, just the height and length of limbs. Like you said, neither one of these are going to go down without a serious freaking fight. Um, just what, what would be on the line. But you know, that's just my initial thing is like, I, I would feel that you would be at a disadvantage, not, not saying that you could over would overcome that or not overcome that. But I feel like he would have yeah. a little bit of an advantage. Yeah, he definitely, uh, if he was smart with the leverage, he could de- definitely use it to his advantage. There's no doubt. But the way well, you can get you can get low, you can get lower and get un- get underneath them, right? Isn't that the isn't that kind of the the, yeah, the key to it? it? It really just depends, honestly. Like, I mean, I don't think I wrestled many people in my high school career that uh, were shorter than me. So I think, uh, I think I'm, you know, I'm used to wrestling people that are taller than me for sure. I think it'd be good. What's one racer, past or you know, past or present, that you've raced with that you didn't really want to piss off on the racetrack because you didn't want to get, you know, your ass kicked back in the pits? I mean, is there anybody you can think of, uh, you know, that? Uh, uh, J.R. Schnabel was pretty solid. I think that he would. I think he would. Um, definitely give me a run for my money for sure he was what about uh what about yoder oh yeah yeah for sure yoder but that yeah yoder yoder's folded you up like a pretzel a couple times hasn't he yeah yeah i mean that that doesn't even really count (laughs) yeah there wasn't there's no there's no there's no chance against yoder no 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 that definitely what no way but uh, Jr. was solid. Jr. was like a nice guy, but it was like, man, if you flick a switch, I think he would have definitely got pretty pissed. I knocked him off one time at Barberville, and uh, I was a little bit worried that he was gonna like try to come over and like want to pick something, but he just came over and shook my hand and said, "Ah, that was a shit move, but it is what it is." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jr. was one of those guys that was, yeah. It, it would take. I think it took a lot to piss him off. But you never, you didn't want to. I've never seen him get to that point. But you, it, I think he's one of those guys that you you didn't want to see get to that point. Nah, uh, it'd no. probably be extra scary because he is a nice guy. So like, yeah. when you piss him off, it's like, oh man, I didn't expect all this. Like, this is a uh, next level stuff right here. Yeah, he was pretty good at wrestling too. I mean, I don't know how strong the Wisconsin crew is over there in wrestling. Like, that's the other thing about wrestling is <clears throat> wrestling kind of has its areas where the divisions are very, very tough. And fortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately, Pennsylvania is a very, very tough area, especially the East Coast. Um, very known for the wrestling and whatnot on, on the Friday nights at the high school. Like wrestling in Pennsylvania is like high school football in Texas. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, but, so I don't know how tough like Wisconsin is. So same thing with like Henry in Michigan. Like even though I would live in Michigan for however long I did, I didn't really hear a whole lot about wrestling in Michigan a whole lot. And that's not to say like Henry's not tough. I'm just saying like in, in, in Pennsylvania, it was wrote up in the papers a lot. And there was highlights, you know, in, uh, on the news and like tournaments were really big and we wrestled in big, big, big schools. So 
it was known for, like when the when the winter time came around, like wrestling was really known. At least it was back when I wrestled. So it wasn't like that when I was in Michigan. But that's not to say like you know anybody's bad. It's just saying that I think our pool of talent of wrestlers in Pennsylvania in my time was probably a little bit bigger than what Henry's was in Michigan there. So yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess speaking of speaking of pissing people off and on the track and uh who was uh it's kind of a, i guess kind of a three-part question um who was your biggest rival uh as an amateur a pro and uh maybe one guy that you'd really dislike racing against either amateur or pro uh I would say um, as an amateur, it was probably Chris Kleinfelter, who unfortunately like passed, um, man, I don't know if it's been like, what, five years ago or longer. Um, yeah. But Chris and I raced against one another like from 80s on. And he was better than me like on 80s. Like I remember one time at Trailways, he came from the back and drove around the outside of me and left me. And I came in and like... I was riding a Kawasaki and I was rode Kawasaki's and I came in and was like, I need a Honda. <laughs> like, I was like, <laughs> so bummed out that he passed me around the outside after being starting in the back for some reason. But he was, he was better than me mostly through the amateur stuff. And then when we got more on like the road Texas and uh, the two fifties, I guess, I don't know if I stepped it up or he stepped it down, but I'd probably say, I had a lot of rivals there, like towards like the late part of an amateur career, like early part of pro, like, you know, like that 14, 15, 16. I mean, you were there, Jake, you were, you were a rival, but you were always like two years ahead of me. So, but we raced each other locally a lot. Um, you know, John Ron Wood. I mean, I remember just button, but you know, button with him a lot. Uh, Donnie Mullen, just, just everybody there. We had such, like, man, I was thinking about it the other day. We had such a cool and tough pack of riders. Yeah, it was a pretty you know, stacked group ages, there for a little ages. while. Of all ages, you know what I mean? Like, Rick, Ricky Winsett, dude, that guy was, there wasn't nobody beating him some nights at Trailways on that old Woods Rotex, you know? Like, that guy was the man. And uh, Tom McGrain, Donnie Mullen, I mean, Todd Winsett, you know, there was there some tough guys. But I would say, like, the battles with Chris Kleinfeld that are coming because we were really close in the same age was probably my biggest amateur rival. And then actually going for like the horizon award, Matt, uh, Robbie Pearson was a hundred percent, the biggest rival. Like when we would travel to like Daytona for the Southeast stuff and the amateur nationals and stuff, Robbie Pearson and Nick Cummings was the guys out of state that I would always run into. And unfortunately like Chris Kleinfeld never did the traveling to the to like the southeast or the you know the amateur nationals or nothing he would just come and kick my butt on the weekends locally and then uh pro career man it was like errors of who was biggest rival like me and cool Betts were really tough rivals there when he was going for his championships and then there was what three or four years man where jake you and i went at it for the championship there and then um, Brad Baker was there. I would probably say Brian Smith was, you know, one of those rivals that we were so close in friendship. And then we got into the whole 
you know, championship battle. And that like took a break for a second. So that was a big rival. I mean, we were basically in a 10 mile radius, you know, of one another (laughs) through the weeks and in the same area. And it was a big, big rivalry there with the whole, you know, Michigan guys coming in and, uh, battling it out. So, and then of course, of lately it's Briar and myself. So it seems like everybody, anybody that's I'm battling with in the championship, I would always call like a rival. And then, uh, yeah, and, and Sammy Howard, me and Sammy, we had some big, big battles, man. More on like the uh, the outlaw racing. Like he was, you know, him and I were always real big at going and trying to cash in on those couple thousand dollar to win night before races or day after races or weekend off races. So we would do tons of battling, not only at the national stuff because he was obviously a big front runner too but we'd show up at them outlaw races, racing the 450 and the twin. So two classes and we would be dicing it out, you know, for 500 bucks trying to, trying to <laughs> kill each other. And I yeah. what was your other part of the question? Somebody you disliked racing against. Man, I was going to say, I don't know if there's anybody you dislike racing against, right? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there well, was somebody, did, but. Yeah, man, this sounds so stupid, but like, I disliked Halbert so bad. <laughs> I loved racing the guy. Like, I mean, it sounds so stupid, but it's like, man, I disliked him so much. But it was like, if I'd have known some of the weekends that he wasn't going to the races, I'd have just taken the weekend off too. But it was like, <laughs> man, I want to beat him so bad. And like, if he would you know, bump me out of the way. I'd come and give it back to him. Like that was cool about Halbert was like, we would bump each other pretty hard and there'd be like, you know, it'd be just like <laughs> pissed off face or whatever, you know, maybe middle finger here and there, but it was just like, no, don't worry, dude. I, I'll get you back. Like all good. You okay. know, nobody really complained a whole lot. I mean, every once in a while we'd kind of jump down each other's throats a couple of times, but <clears throat> nothing too bad but no i never really like disliked racing with a certain person that i was like man i don't want to be around them or anything but uh for the most part it's all everybody's been pretty pretty good yeah so kind of going going back to like your your pro rivals like obviously like most of the guys that you've raced for championships um were like always some of your like really good friends like myself, Brian Smith, <laughs> Briar Bauman, right? And, you know, at times, you know, I mean, it's no secret. Things got a little weird between you and Smith, you know, when, when you guys were raced for a championship. But I, I was, it, it just kind of hit me, you know, just kind of thinking up questions for the show. I don't think things really got weird between you and I. Um, I mean, no, we've got each other no. for a lot. We even traveled. Remember me, you and Jimmy Wood drove to California together um to sacramento or something like while we're battling each other for the championship um like i'm just just trying to figure out what what the difference is there like what what made that so much different than the rest i don't i mean maybe because we raced each other so much as you know growing up um that it was just kind of normal or i i was trying to trying to figure that one out i don't know if there's an answer for it but no, dude, you remember that time that you and me, you and Jimmy were driving down the road? <laughs> we were in a big rig, but remember I like 
I got you guys were like double like double teaming me with the whole like all right, let's piss off me. <laughs> like I I remember snapping on on you guys like I don't know why or what it was over. It was y'all singing your bebop music over there. Like anybody that knows me and my music, I'm like old school like Tom Petty shit, I'm you petty. know. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are up on the hip freaking I don't DM I don't even know who the hell you guys were listening to, but I couldn't keep up and y'all are just wrapping it up there on on there and this is way before scrolling on social media but i don't know for some reason that time just popped in my head but yeah dude i don't know why i was it's funny because i thought about that a few times like man like i kind of know why like me and smith like you know i don't know what whatever you want to call it like kind of just like got into it you know what i mean like there was the whole tire thing and then there was the whole wheel thing and then there was like stuff talked from like his his side of the things on and you know back i guess maybe one of the things was it wasn't social media back then <laughs> it was maybe yeah. one of the reasons but like the social media crap talking got you know like poured poured fire or poured uh, gas on the fire and like i don't know like it never like me and Brian were always cool for the most part. Like we would always show up and if we seen each other, it was always like fine, but it was just everybody else that made, made, made it worse. It seemed like, I don't know, like, uh, uh, it's hard. It's a hard to answer that, but there definitely was a lot of tension there between, between Brian and I. And, uh, it's awesome actually. Like now, like me, we're back tight again and, texting back and forth all the time like it's over now like it's it, it's behind us and it's cool and i think it just was a thing that you know we were both want the same thing and like i said the tire thing and the wheel thing kind of got into, into play where it was like you know hey man you know i feel like you're cheating me or i'm cheating you and it was just like man you know whatever and then same thing like with yourself like cool beth like me and cool beth never had um any of that either like you know cool Beth, oh man how do you it's hard to like pinpoint kenny like he's just he's a quiet dude no matter if you're his best friend or his worst enemy like you couldn't like you wouldn't even tell the difference you know yeah so it's uh yeah it's it's i don't know i don't really have an answer for that one and then you know yeah as of late like yeah, it's just different between briar and i than what it was you know like two years ago I was looking at my pictures of my phone and it was like, man, dude, like him and Shana lived down here in Florida for like a month and trained hard and everything. And then a year later we like stopped talking exactly right before Daytona and was like really different. And I don't know. Like it's just, I think he's young. So it's a little bit different for him to handle it. And it's, uh, you know, I'm not trying to like blame it all on him. Like I'm sure I got my problems too, but it's just, it's just the, the nature of the beast right now you know i think anytime you have two guys that are going for one goal and you work as hard as you do during the week like you pour your blood sweat and tears into reaching your goal and then you have another guy that's trying to take away everything you pretty much live your life for it's you're gonna have a little bit of tension i guess when you're you're both competitive i don't know i it's our sport's very unique in that like a lot of guys are friends that are high competitors i mean you don't see that and MotoGP with Rossi or Marquez or Supercross with Tomac or Roxanne, like those guys aren't training or hanging out together. I mean, it's uh, 
it's it's tough. So yeah, that was that was kind of yeah, kind of a maybe, question we maybe you didn't had a work, little bit there. Maybe you didn't work hard enough back then. Like maybe I was <laughs> doing all the work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe it was just like I'm working so hard and just like. Yeah, I know you're going to go and ride your bicycle later, and I know you're probably going to do like 100 push-ups or 50 push-ups or whatever you're going to do, but I'm not going to do that, so you go and just do mine for me. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. I think uh, I think like what you said with the social media thing, like I think it's a little more in the spotlight the last few years. Um, yeah. And maybe I guess I guess now, like, I mean, back in 2000. 10 11 12 you know and when me and you were battling for the title it was like i mean obviously it meant a lot to us but who really gave a shit right i mean (laughs) it was i guess i'm not going to say it was the lowest point of the sport but it was kind of just it was there i mean it was what we wanted to do it was the biggest thing in the world to us but uh there wasn't a whole lot of outside interest um you know, now I guess there's yeah, there's a lot there's a lot more to be gained or lost, uh, a lot more on the line now, I guess. So, um, I guess yeah, that makes it a little different. Think, yeah, I just don't think if we became into a battle, even like this year or next year, like I just don't think that it would come down to that. Like I don't, I don't know. You know how I am my whole entire life, and I know how you are. And that maybe you hit it like earlier, like hey, I battle with this guy since I've been an amateur. Like it is what it is. I know exactly how he is, and but same thing. I mean, like me and Brian, we've been pretty tight since I moved to Michigan years ago. So I don't know. I just think people take it differently, you know, and I try to say like, oh, I don't ever change. But people say, oh, maybe you do. I, You know, I don't know. I think I've always been pretty, pretty even keel, you know what I mean? But everybody's got their their uh, their things and, and, what, and how they want to handle them and approach them. And some people, you know, look at uh, – you know, kind of hating the guy in a way, like not strong word is hate, but you know, hating the guy in the way uh, is easier for them to to kind of overcome what they're trying to do. You know, so maybe maybe everybody's got their own way of uh, handling it. Really, you know, that's 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 one thing you could say. Yeah, and you you mentioned with Brian the the tire thing and the wheel thing, um, and the fans seem to give you a lot of flack on social media about the whole tire thing. Uh, does that ever bother you? I mean, does anything you see on social media, does that, does that bother you at all? Dude, you know what bothers me the worst about social media right now is that there isn't anybody talking any shit about me right now. Like literally like (laughs) back then when Brian, like when that deal was going down with like Brian and the wheel and like there was people on there calling me like a cheater and like, dude, you wouldn't believe how much that stuff fires me up. Like that just, I love that stuff. <laughs> I mean, you're probably thinking like, dude, this guy ain't rap right. But dude, it's like social media these days has been boring. I mean, I, I don't know. I, that stuff does not bother me whatsoever. If anything, it gave me like fuel for the fire and the whole tire thing. Like, you know, I know deep down inside, like the true facts about it. And of course it's not even worth probably talking about because no one's going to want to believe half of it but it is what it is but no it it never really bothered me at all you know i mean it just went in ear out the other and and went about my business and it definitely made me stronger in some ways because like i thrive off that stuff like animosity like i i love it yeah yeah it's yeah when you see stuff on social media like i could see it uh getting you fired up because it's usually 
a bunch of people that have no idea what they're talking about just hating. So, you know, it gives you that uh, little extra motivation like, hey, I'm going to show Jim Bob 23 on Instagram that he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. And <laughs> I'm going to go out and I'm going to go out and kick their ass this weekend. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's like when I got popped or when they popped that tire or whatever it was in Atlanta, it was like, OK, you know, he's a cute. Let's see what happens now. It's like, all right, well, I just went one you know, the next four nationals in a row. So, you know what I mean? How, how big of an advantage, if there was something in there, how big of an advantage was it or, or wasn't it, you know? So it is what it is. It's, you know, I, I haven't seen or heard too much about that as of lately, which it is what it is, but that was a unfortunate situation for sure. And I still have a lot more questions than I have answers with that one, but it's all underwater under the bridge now. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's yeah, it's done. It's over. If somebody has an opinion on it, you're not going to change your mind. But like I said, it's it's done. It's over. You took your penalty and you, you went on and what won 10 more races that year and won the championship. So there's not really much anybody can can hold over you. But we can we, we still bust on you. I mean, when you sent me those uh, sent me those tires, the first thing I sent you like, hey, man, are these things uh, are these things treated? Or are these special tires or what? But no, it's just uh, should be legit. <laughs> yeah, I figured they they came out of Georgia, so uh, you know, unless unless you you made a trip up from Florida to to, to service them, uh, I think we're, I think we're in the clear. But but yeah, that, yeah, uh, I mean, Tolbert Tolbert takes a lot of the anything about tires and treating and tires in general, and knows Tolbert and the sport. Like you know, there was an era there where it was, I guess, like frowned upon, but everybody was doing it. Like you said in another podcast, oh. and it was like is what it is. And Tolbert was the master at it at one point in time. So when people put like, oh, treating tires needs illegal, cheating, cheating, it's easy for them to be like, yeah, he knows everything about it, so he's a cheater. And it's like, well, dude, he's also, you know, he also back in the day when he had Rotexes had a 676 kit to put on a Rotex top end to make it a big board. Like, he knows how to make a big board, too. Are you going to point the finger for that, too? Like, Obviously, Kenny was good in every area that you were allowed to fine-tune, and he's good at what he puts his hands and mind to. So, yeah, I mean, anybody that wants to know, Kenny was the master and the man at treating tires at one time. But that being said, we have a rule book, and he used to go by the rule book, and the same as myself. And it was just like, dude, I can't believe people really, like, think with the state of mind we were in with Indian and how good we did the year before, like we would, you know, need to to put something on our tire to, to cheat. But like I said, it is what it is now and it's behind us and just move on. I think you've done a pretty good job, honestly, at, uh, at not responding to people. Like when they, when they say stuff, it's easy to get fired up. I mean, there was a time that everything I saw about me or Shana or whoever, I'd, I'd get pretty fired up and, I've done better at it. And I think a big reason for that is just watching guys like you and guys like, I don't know, like even in other sports, like LeBron James, I mean, just athletes that, um, there's a lot with social media right now. It's, it's kind of like, there's a lot of shit on there and it's like, you want to, you want to respond and defend yourself. But at the same time, no matter what you say is going to make a difference. And I think when it comes to the tire thing, um, I think you've done a really good job at, uh, not feeding into everyone's shit and kind of just go out going out and and uh and racing and doing what you do so i was 
I was just kind of curious if that ever got to you. And, you know, you talked about Kenny Tolbert a bit, and you've been with Kenny for a while, and you've worked with Brent Armbruster, but you started your career with Johnny Goad, and uh, we've talked about Johnny before on this podcast. And what was like work like working with Johnny as a professional, like a rookie? Any good Johnny Goad stories? Man, there's a lot of them for sure. Uh, I wrote for Johnny for six years, and I didn't really realize it, but I think I, I got the trophy for being with Johnny with the longest out of all the riders that have been with him. <laughs> and I don't say that in a bad way at all. Like, you know how they say, like, a, a newborn baby, like, learns the most he or she will ever learn in, like, zero to three years or whatever it is? Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, I think it's a lot like that when you turn professional in any sport, especially racing motorcycles. Like, your first three years as a pro, you're going to learn the most, good and bad, Right. Like outside looking in, and if I was to take it all back and do it all over again right now, I would pick Johnny to do it all over again with. He taught me a lot, like about racing, but he taught me a lot just about life. Like him and Sarah, like there's nothing at all. I mean, we've got some funny stories, but like them guys really sped my learning curve up, made me believe in myself, and uh, really took it to the next level. I mean, he was the one that like we raced every little tiny little race there was out there to make money like back in the day pretty standard program for back in the day was was the 50 50 money split with purse contingency everything and when i first started riding with johnny it was you got a banana i got half the banana or i had he used to say i have the right to refuse half the banana well he never <laughs> refused half the banana. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, and so we went and did, like, every little race we did. And I think if you ever had him on his podcast and you asked him, like, what was your favorite race you ever won with, with Jared Meese? I think he would probably say, like, Lodi. And it was this, it was this uh, outlaw race the night before the Sacramento Mile back when, like, the Formula was say things there. And we show up, <clears throat> was paying three grand to win or whatever it was, and walk up. And we're looking at the track and... They're like, yeah, you got to make, you know, a million laps around this place before you think about going fast. Long story short, we went out there and won the dash and won the main event. And I knocked, I ran into this guy. <laughs> I remember this guy, like, he just was mad. And it was a good thing I was riding for Johnny Goat at the time because he was mad. I <laughs> came in in the heat race, followed this guy for two laps. Pennsylvania kid, we all grew up, Jake, you know the deal. I just go up to the inside of him and bump him out of the way and move about my business, knock him, knock him off the groove. He didn't fall, but it was just a short track. He comes in, losing his mind, comes up to the pit area. Johnny comes up and just basically like, I don't know. He doesn't touch him, but he just had this scary, like, get the hell out of here, you know? And he shifted his bike, took off, went away. We went one more main event. And uh, he loves telling that story and loves the whole, just the whole program from the start to the finish, you know? But anyway, like, I loved riding for Johnny Goad, and uh, he taught me a ton, um, good and bad. You know, I remember going down the highway in the box truck, warming up my dinner in the microwave, and then the next night staying at, like, a Hampton Inn and, you know, sleeping in the truck, driving around. We had, we had a good time. Like I said, I, I wouldn't do it. If I was to do it all over again, I would walk up to Johnny and say, let's do it again because I learned a ton. And uh, if it wasn't for Johnny and Sarah, I don't think that I would have had the success that I had today. Yeah, yeah, Johnny, he's, uh, I got to ride for him in 09. And, uh, I mean, I still love you Johnny. Too, you were too old, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I was a little too old for his tricks. 
Yeah, I was a little too old for his tricks, but no, I mean, he's a good dude. Um, you know, we won a couple races together and, you know, we had some good races. We had some bad races, but you know, I, I learned a lot, uh, just that year riding with him. And I mean, even to this day, um, you know, it was kind of neat show up at Daytona and, you know, I'm in my, in my van, unload, unload the bikes out of the back. Everybody knows it's going to be canceled. I'm the only moron that's unloading everything, working on stuff. I'm like, I'm, we're, we're going racing. I need to, I need to do this. I need to do that. You know, so I'm, I got the bikes out working on stuff, getting stuff ready. And Johnny comes over and, you know, starts talking or whatever. And, um, it was just cool. You know, like he was just willing to help, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, if, if you need any help with these things, you know, just let me know. He said, I, I, I don't know much about these things. I'm like, neither do I. So, you know, we're, we're good, but, uh, He's but yeah, it was, good dude, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was, he it was cool. Really is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I remember one, one Johnny good story I'll throw out there just pops in my mind. I mean, I can go all night, but we were at Sedalia, Missouri and it was a day race. And, uh, Johnny had some really awesome working half mile XR seven fifties. Like, they were good. They were like, they worked really good. But uh, I remember we were at day race at Sedalia. I was going pretty damn good. And there was like, it was dry. And like, we were the first heat race out. I think I fast, I think I fast timed it off, off the scratch sheet. And they went out there and tried to blade the track. And some moron blader like bladed the track and left the ridge of the dirt, like three foot above the black groove. So it was like you literally went into the corner and there was this mound of dirt that was graded. Was Anyway, I came in the first corner and the ass end went up over that plate of dirt and I went down and bike was all bent up. And like, uh, so we pulled in the hot box and it's pulling a lot of work on our bikes and stuff. And the bars are like mangled up pretty bad. Like they're, they're really bad. Like the, Throttle hands all the way down by like my uh, thigh and the the le- the other side, the clutch side is like way up, like a set of really GA hangers. And uh, I'm like, Johnny, 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 the the handlebars, the handlebars. So he like tries to jerk on the handlebars and tries to bend them back, and he tweaks them a little bit. And he's worrying about like the chain and the air filter popped off and everything. And I'm like, Johnny, 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 but the handlebars, the handlebars, handlebars. And he like looks at me and he's like. Fuck the damn handlebars, boy. The motorcycle will go straight. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here we go. And uh like that was that that was what like you needed when you were a kid. Like, whoa, yes, sir, you know, and we started off I was in my heat race and I started off last single file and like ran through everybody and won the heat race. Man, I think in the main event, like we were going so good, but I think when oh what happened was is when we fell down. You know, and this was like unfortunate on Johnny's part. He, like he never came back in and checked the carburetors to make sure they were tight or almost on or whatever. We went up, won our heat race. We're all pumped up, you know. Come back in, yeah, we changing handlebars, whatever. Go back out there, and our lap two, the carburetor pops off. And I'm, I was running really good. I was like, damn, you know, that could have been my my time to win a race back then. But anyway, that was one of the stories that popped in my mind. I mean, like I said, I got tons of them, but that was that was one that stuck in there for sure. No, those are some good ones. My uh, my dad and my grandpa sponsored you for a number of years, um, just as I was like starting to race. Like I got a late start with racing. I think I started when I was like 14 or 15 years old. And uh, do you have any good 
Randy or tech stories for the listeners that might not have known them too well, uh, just from somebody outside of myself? Man, Tex was such a, I mean, Randy, Randy and Tex were great people, but man, I was a big fan of your grandfather, Tex, man. I love that guy. And, uh, I remember he was like, <laughs> I remember this story, but it's not like a great story for, for Tex, but I remember like, he was so pumped up on this, um, on this Buell, like it was like a 1200 Buell. It was back when the super trackers were now allowed to race against like the 750 class. And Tex was a big, big fan of this Buell. Like it was his baby, you know, like he built it and the thing was stupid fast. Like it was wicked. And uh, I was back, like what I was saying with Johnny, like we would go to the races and we would split everything 50 50, you know, like that's how we made the money to come back the next weekend. And that's all I was able to make. And I remember we went to Vernon and <laughs> Tex puts this like tack on this bike. And he's like, you can't, you can't. And, and he put like duct tape um, or, or Johnny or somebody put duct tape, like past like the nine, the 800 mark or whatever he wanted at the red line out. So it was like, <laughs> he was like, if you see this tack, Barry passes duct tape. You got to let off, you know? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So I'm out there, and this is like my first year out, you know? So And, that, and it was burning. It was a mile. It was a cushion. So, like, you're a little bit at ease and unease. And it's like, you know, when you're coming up through, like, the miles, there's only a couple miles out there. So, like, you're not used to the mile racing. Anyway, I get out on this thing, and, dude, that thing was so fast. And, like, I remember going down the straightaway and, like, looking at this tack for a second, and this tack was rubber-mounted. So the tack was, like, going, like, 9,000 miles an hour. Like, there was no way I was looking at this deal buried in the duct tape. You know what I mean? Like, it was, like, holy shit. It was, like, a XR750 on steroids nitrous. You know, I come back in, and I'm, like, dude, I think it's way, you know, over-geared. Like, it wouldn't... You know, we needed to take some teeth off. It was revving, I think, because it was vibrating so much. And uh, long story short, we, like, were like, hey, man, like, it's time to go now. Let's run the scratch sheet. We can't, you know, spend a whole lot more time on this. Man, he was he was kind of, like, mad at Johnny and I for not giving it another go, <laughs> you know. And to be honest with you, dude, like, I was scared shitless of this thing. <laughs> like, I wasn't wanting to go back out on this thing at all. But, uh, yeah, that, that, one, that one was in one. And then... Uh, Man, I remember riding his Buell one time up at um, they had that hundredth year anniversary. Man, there was that. What track was that, Jake? Up there in Wisconsin, it was. Oh, with, uh, Hales it was Corner? that Hales Corner. It was that shithole that they were they were bulldozing the whole facility the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went up there, ran the Buell up there, and uh, was fast qualifier on the thing, and it broke. And I remember like. I, I swear Tex was there for that. And I just remember like how mad he was. Like he, you know, he was just so pissed because we were going so fast on this Buell during the hundredth anniversary Harley, you know, deal. And, uh, we were going fast or we fast qualified. I don't remember what it was. Like the bike was working really, really good and it broke, which man, but back then the Buell seemed to break a lot. And, uh, he <laughs> yeah. was pretty, all the time. He was pretty pissed about that. 
you know, he was bombed. I remember a uh, not- quick story here. We have one more question for you, and then we'll get into the uh, the higher low line. But I remember there was a time at Timonium Outdoors, me and you, we were riding the Adult 100 class, and uh, you were riding for my dad at the time. And it was oh, like me. Yeah, I remember we were battling, and in the first corner, I think me and you both crashed or something, or I crashed, and then you like ran into me and stalled it or crashed. I forget what happened, but obviously it was my dad, and then he was sponsoring you and the pro stuff, and my dad was so pissed off at you because you didn't go to the third row. He actually protested you after the race for not going to the third third row or whatever. It was awkward as hell. Like. I remember that he he lost it and he was loading up and I come ran and he's like you know better than that and I was like I don't know I think it paid 180 bucks and I'm like Randy dude I'm so sorry like you know like the last thing I wanted to do was like lose the sponsorship and then Johnny be mad at me you know that was like the biggest thing that was in my my head was just like all right Johnny's gonna lay me out so I'm like dude Randy I'm so sorry like here's the money I remember looking at him go like. He was like, fuck the money. I got plenty of money. I'm worried about the points. And I was just like, dude, Randy, like, I, I, I don't, uh, I'm not going for any points, dude. Like, I'm going to Hagerstown this week and I'm trying to win this. <laughs> he was like, he, I think he was more or less mad because it was a situation where I should have went to the back and I didn't go to the back, but you did with the referee. It was like, whatever, you know, it was yeah. the 100 class, you know, but yeah, that you're right. I forgot about that one. He was really, really mad at me. <laughs> yeah. It was awkward for me, but, uh, it was pretty funny at the same time. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny was a good one to ride for. And then, yeah, I went to Brent and then now with Kenny. So I, I actually pretty proud that, you know, the entire time that I've, uh, raced motorcycles professionally i've only had three mechanics that's pretty impressive I've i lost i lost and i think yeah i lost track <laughs> yeah everybody says i'm a pain in the ass but i'm able to i'm able to keep the same guys over and over again <laughs> uh all right we got we got one last question before we go into the higher low line segment we were talking about it a little earlier while Corey was trying to get his shit together. Well, we kind of talked about it. Said said Netflix is 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 off limits during the day. But uh, does Jared Mees have a a favorite show on Netflix? Um, since you got all this downtime, anything you're uh, catching up on? My all time favorite so far has been Breaking Bad. I really just got into the Netflix episode thing uh, like less than a year ago. Like I'm like man. You ever seen this show, Breaking Bad? They're like, yeah, dude, we've seen that in 2011. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, so like, uh, I'm behind the times with most of the stuff, but uh, I'm kind of getting into uh, Ozark. Yeah, so See, season three just one. came out. i seen season three came out, and I kind of, I, I always call my stepdad Tom because him and I are pretty even keel on, like, you know, movies and stuff we like. And, uh He's like, yeah, that one's a great one. Watch that one. And then I actually watched this one kind of like through Christmas and it just seasoned or episode two just finished up. It's called All American. Oh, yeah. I just um, watched it. It kind of turns into a little bit of a soap opera, like a lifetime flick. Dude, <laughs> you know, it's like, crazy. There's everybody in that show has like a problem every episode. Oh, it's my like, gosh. Yeah, it's like. Dude, you're rich. You don't have to worry about anything at all except for going to school. Chill. You know what I mean? But it's it's just a drama deal. I mean, and Nicole, like, during this time show, like, I'll come in and Nicole will have this lifetime flick on, you know? And, like, 
I don't know if you guys ever watched the Lifetime show, and I should. I try not to. About it cause it's, embarrassing. it's embarrassing, but dude, if you watch five minutes of a Lifetime show, you're parking your ass on the couch and finishing. And I'm just telling you here right now, like it's, it's pretty good. And then every Monday night at ten o'clock, we watch Manifest. That one there is badass. Manifest is badass. You've mentioned Manifest before to me. I'm not, I'm not, between this Ozark and Manifest, what should I get into next? Like, what's the what's the go-to? Mm, I'm too early in the Ozark. I'm only on uh, episode, going on episode three, so I'm only two in on season one. So it really hasn't even gotten that good yet. So if I'm going to, you know, if I had to rewatch everything right now, I'd say Manifest is pretty good for sure. Isn't that... Uh... I haven't watched it. I've, I've heard about it, but isn't it like about airplane crashes and shit? Yeah, it's about. Um, <laughs> the, does it doesn't seem like something you want to watch being uh, on an airplane every weekend, does it? Well, I don't fly, Jake. No, well, it's not about a crash. It's not about a crash. It's oh. about an airplane that takes off from Jamaica, and the people that arrive into the U.S. They're just like, yeah, okay, we're here. Well, all of a sudden, this airplane arrives, and it arrives in U.S. time 10 years later. So uh, like, the passengers get off, and they're like, what's the problem? They're like, well, what do you mean? You guys took off from Jamaica, and you guys just land 10 years later. And uh, so they got, like, these callings, and it's kind of – it sounds so stupid, believe me. I know it does, but it's like <laughs> you got to get into it because it just catches you every time, and then – Y'all are looking for a good one. Like Brokeback Mountain's pretty good too. I want to watch that one. Want to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> you and Sammy watch that one. <laughs> nah, well, last little segment we do every every show. Um, I know you're a listener, so you've probably heard it before. But it's the Higher Low Line. It's sponsored by Unsettled Racing. I want to thank those guys for sponsoring the show. It's actually two brothers that race. They're Jacks and Wes Settle. They race in District 17. As, as well as the surrounding states. It's a family affair team with Papa, Mimi, and Mom running the team while Dad is serving in the military, so that's pretty cool. And their team goals are to have fun, be safe, develop good racing skills, and, uh, and most of all, be good young men. So appreciate those uh, those guys coming on and sponsoring the show. And first one is uh, Springfield Mile or Sacramento Mile? Mm. Hard one. That is. Um, Your bike's fast as shit, so it doesn't really matter. Either one's good. Stock is. What about eight mile on the one one mile that we race at last year? What's what's your favorite? I would say uh, Oklahoma (laughs) would win last year. Uh, I'm gonna say I like Springfield. Springfield's just predictable. It's so Sacramento though, but I'd say Springfield. Um, it's a tough one though, man. I mean, we're talking like hardly any difference, but I like the vibe of walking out at Sacramento under the lights and stuff. It's a cool vibe, but I think the race itself is cooler at Springfield. I thought you'd say the red mile. You always go pretty good at the red mile. Yeah, no, I don't really, I mean, the red mile is okay, but it's, it's kind of just a big half mile really. Like when I think a mile race and I think of like Everybody that says, all right, spring, you know, think of mile racing. What do you think? Springfield right away. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's a given. So I'd say probably overall, probably Springfield, but man, Sacramento's right there. I really like the vibe of the whole place and, you know, the lights and all the fans are all packed in and it's, I, I like that vibe for sure. 
and I really like uh, Oklahoma a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's cool to see that one back uh, this year. Well, hopefully. Uh, uh, next, yeah. uh, next one: uh, Bubba Schobert or Ricky Graham? Ricky. Follow up on that: Who do you think that is the greatest to ever do it? I mean, do you think it's it's Graham or Parker Carr? Who you got? You're picking one guy, the uh, the greatest to ever race a flat track bike. Who are you picking? Man, the greatest ever at one shot was probably Ricky, but the numbers don't lie, and you got to give it all to Parker. I mean, as as a professional and as a champion, as a, and a guy that knows what it takes, it's harder to bring it every year. And uh, there's a lot of respect that I give to Parker for being able to do what he did for nine times. Like it's it's way easier to come in and just win one or two or have a have a blip and i'm not saying like ricky you know was a blip because the guy was you know awesome but to be able to do like you know and chris carr too like man chris came out and won five in a row just like parker did and to be able to do that man that's that's tough and 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 most listeners don't understand like that's 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 tough to do so i'd say parker but you know one lap one highlight Ricky Graham. Yeah, I think longevity is actually it's part of what we do. Um, it's part of sports in general. You yeah, look at, I mean, that's yeah, yeah Tom yeah, Brady that's, or that's Kobe Bryant, guys that have been able to do it time after time. They definitely set them apart. I I was looking at stats the other day, and I thought it was a crazy stat that Bubba Schobert won. I think he won like thirty five races in a span of six years. Um, and you know, it's just uh, imagine if those guys. Yeah, Ricky or Bubba or even Springer, if he didn't get, you know, have some of his health issues. But it's hard to argue against Parker for sure. Yeah, he just he just brought it every year, every time. And the era of racing was different back then. Uh, you know, there was a lot of miles. And, I, you know, I think Parker definitely favored that era versus if we had to, if Parker had to race the era we're in right now. I mean, that's hard to argue and say because, they always say the cream rises to the top, but you know, I will throw this out there. I think the best ever, most versatile rider out there was probably Chris Carr. I mean, that guy could race and win on anything and everything. And Parker who really struggled on the, the slippery stuff. You know, if you were to take <clears throat> Parker on a Rotex and take him up to Castle Rock, there was a really good chance that he would watch Chris Carr win that main event. You know what I mean? So um, Chris Carr was really badass on everything too. And, uh, I remember hearing something, I think it was the Dave, 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 the Spain interview you did with him. And he put it out there. Like the biggest problem with Chris Carr being the greatest is that Parker was in his way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, I know it sounds so stupid to say, but you know, Chris had to do what he did, you know, battling against the best ever. And, uh, that in turn really, you know, elevates Chris Carr in, in, in flat tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Like another thing that the Spain brought up, it was crazy. Like Parker and Carr, like their two stats could have easily flipped. Um, Cause what do you say? There was like three or four championships One that, point or two that points. were decided by a total of eight points, you know, like single digit points over four, three wow. or four championships. So, you know, and, I mean, and you know, you know what that is. I mean, that's just 
man, waking up on the wrong side of the bed in the morning, you know, will will lose you a couple oh, yeah. points on the day. Uh, so, you know, yeah. you take you take three or four championships from Parker and give him the car. It's well, yeah, like Jared it, said, you know, there was a lot more miles back then. I mean, I think yeah. there was only one short track at Daytona for most of those years and one yeah, GT at Peoria. There was I Daytona mean, and Peoria. Yeah. Those were the if, only two. If you had three more miles. short tracks or three more TTs, the schedule would probably favor car. And then, yeah, we did. It's, you know, ifs, what's, but yeah, that's, that's definitely a uh, fun to sit good... here and talk about it. But at the end of the day, man, Parker got it done. He's yeah. got the, he's got the plates on the wall and the money in the bank and, and he's Parker drinking all the beer. Paper, <laughs> he's drinking all the beer. Parker on paper is the, the best ever Grand National flat track racer who ever lived. And there's no arguing it because, like I said, the plates are on the wall. We can all speculate, which is the funnest. But um, at the end of the day, that guy got it done when it counted. It was like, oh, yeah. Like, I was so pumped. Like, I won all the miles last year. And, uh, shit, Parker won all the miles one year. And there was 12 of them. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> 12 miles, he won them all, or 11 or something like that. And he won them all. And, that guy was good, and I mean, a, a guy that if you ever eventually one time get on this show, Tolbert, he's lived through like all the eras. Like that's what's cool about Tolbert is he's you know my mechanic today, but he lived through the entire eras and the little traveling that I've done with him. You know, of course, I'm quizzing him, and he will say, "Like, dude, you show up at a cushion mile like Del Mar, Minnesota, Meadowlands, Oklahoma Mile." And he goes, dude, the race, honestly, was for second place. That Parker would go out there, and it was there was nobody that could touch him. Nobody. The guy was a maniac. And um, he gives Parker a ton, a ton of credit. And, of course, his biggest rival was Bill Warner and, and Parker growing up. And he was still to this day. He's like, dude, Parker was a badass. He was really good, which we all know that. Next one, Chris Carr in his prime or Henry Wiles at his prime at the Peoria TT? Man, the question of a question is, are they riding framers or are they riding DTX bikes? Let's just say more dominant. Like, who is the more dominant? Who's been the more dominant guy, no matter what they're riding, um, at Peoria over the years? I mean, obviously, Carr is going to win on a Rotex. Henry's probably going to win on the DTX bike. Uh well, he he is. He's going to win on the on the on the stock frame bike, uh, but who's more dominant? Man, that's a it's a question that can't be answered to favor either one. Like, I don't remember Carr ever actually having a battle with anybody. Like ever? Do, do, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but does has anybody? I mean, did anybody ever actually? come around on the same exact damn lap as him as he was coming across the checkered flag. Like, seriously, like, I mean, Henry has only had, I think I was the closest guy to get to him there that, that, that one year, but every other than that, you know, Henry's won it by dominating fashion too. I don't know, man, that's, that's a question that just can't be answered because it's like, who do you think? Well, they both did the exact same thing. I mean, Henry's been it more times. So I guess you got to give the nod to Henry, but it's like, I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, there was a couple of years there where Carr went road racing too, that he probably would have added two or three more wins to Peoria t- 
something to think about, I guess. But now nah, they're, I mean, they're phenomenal. They're both so good at that track. It's just something people talk about. I just, you've, you've been second at Fury a lot. So I wanted to get some of some insight from you on that one. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would like to say Henry just because I'm the guy that's getting beat by him all the time there. So, you know, anything to elevate him at Fury, I elevate myself, but honestly, like Chris, Chris beat the best of the best in the best era ever at Peoria and paddled them bad. So that's one thing you can look at. Like, I mean, I don't know if we're racing today's best. And if five years ago I raced today's best, like you can't speculate on that. But back then, like Chris was beaten, Ricky Graham, Bubba Schober, Parker, you know, the main best flat track, baddest dudes that we all looked up to our entire career. He paddled them so bad like Henry did us today. So I don't know. I'm probably going to just nod to, to Chris on that one, but it's so close. We're, we're splitting hairs really. Yeah. Well, this one's not on the list, but I got a couple that, that jumped in my head here. So it's, it's kind of going, all right, you have a choice. You beat Henry Wiles at Peoria straight up, but you'll never win another national again. Do you do it? Mm. Never win another national again or beat Henry Schwartz straight up. Well, if, if you, yeah, if you beat it's you, you can be guaranteed to beat Henry Wiles straight up at Peoria. But if you, but if you take that, you will never win another race again. Do you take that? Do you take that opportunity? Um, man, I'd say in two years, I'd take it. <laughs> but right now today yes i'd take it because the day i would beat him and knowing that i wouldn't win no more i'd just retire <laughs> just go retire right on the right on the top of the jump make your announcement yeah exactly on the I victory lap like, if i knew in the back of my if i knew in the back of my mind like yeah you can't win any more national now because you just beat henry wilde let's say all right see you later i'm out <laughs> <laughs> Mark Marquez or Valentino Rossi? Marquez, dude. I mean, I'm a big fan of Valentino. There's, uh, if the question is, is who am I big, more of a big fan of? I'm probably going to say Marquez just because I don't, I don't know Rossi that well. Like I've never really hung out with him or you know mingled with him at all. Like Jake, you have. I mean, I hear he's a really cool guy. I'd love to hang out with him, and I might have a, a different answer. You know, the day I get to, to hang out with him a little bit, but knowing what I know, I mean, Marquez is a cool dude. And I think Mark Marquez is the best motorcycle racer in the world ever. That's straight up. I mean, out of all the talent in the motorcycle era ever, I think Mark Marquez is the Over best motorcycle racer. Yeah, I do. Yeah, Stewart Mark. It, man, in a short window. He's a, he's a short window guy. I mean, like I said about longevity, that guy's been able to bring it. And like, you look at the guys that are racing the Hondas and no one is doing anything on a Honda except for Mark Marquez, the way he's been able to like save them crashes and just being able to paddle their ass and just dude, Marquez is just on another level when he's doing against the best of the best ever in the world. Like, if you think you're that good, you go, I know there's a lot of political shit involved with, with MotoGP, believe me, but 
dude, he's he's a phenomenal dude. I mean, I know we're all biased to Rossi, and you know, because Rossi is the man. But I, I don't I don't think anybody's ever going to match what Marquez is going to be capable of doing. The only thing that's standing in the way of Marquez being better than what he is now is himself, meaning you know injuries and things like that. But that guy is he's still young, and uh, he's doing some really really crazy stuff on those bikes. Yeah, yeah, you can't take that away from it. it is it is pretty impressive. Um, you know, you look at uh, man, just the season with uh, or last season um, with Lorenzo getting on the Honda. I thought, man, this is Lorenzo is going to be back. Um, you know, he struggled on that Ducati and kind of started to get it together. And you know, man, he's going to get he's going to get on the winning bike and he's going to battle Marquez week in and week out and. Well, we saw how that ended up. Um, you know, he just couldn't come to grips with the bike. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the guy is, is amazing. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I think what you said with uh, the Johnny Goat thing, um, you know, he's been a Honda kid his whole life. So he's been on that bike and has been able to, you know, whether tailor it to himself or just, fig, you know, figure it out. He's the only one in the world that can ride that thing that fast and stay upright most of the time. But, um, but yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's uh, definitely changed. He's definitely changed the game. It's, it's a, it's a whole different, uh, it's a whole different world. Man, now. When I, when I went over there and raised the super prestigio, man, like that guy was so level headed towards myself. Like, I remember we were riding this little short, short track called, I think it was Rafaea, and uh, just practicing and riding and sliding and having a good time. And I remember he pulled off just to talk to a mechanic or whatever. And I pulled up next to him, and I was just like, hey, dude, do you want to switch bikes? And he was just like, yeah. And just, you know what I mean? Like the chances of him saying that when I rode up to like him to say, hey, you want to switch bikes? I was like, zero and a million you know what i mean like this guy no way and he was like yeah and like just jumped on the bike made two laps and dude he was hauling the mail like hauling the mail and he was pushing on my bike afterwards and then i was pushing on his and he was just like you're stiff yours yours way more stiffer huh yeah yeah and you know, that probably was the worst thing to do because he came back to the next year with his bike taller and stiffer. And he, like, I don't know. And then, like, afterwards, like, we went to this after-party thing and every once in a while I'll throw him a text, like, hey, man, good job, and it'll be two weeks later, but he'll get back to me and say, hey, thanks, hope you're all good, you know. Keep doing your thing. I checked in on you, and he follows flat track. So, I don't know, like, for me, probably the same thing, like, for you with Rossi, hanging out with him a little bit and him respecting flat track and, kind of chit-chatting back with you on stuff, you kind of get a little biased towards one or the other because, you know, they're not, like, the bestest of friends. And I'm not saying, like, I'm unbiased towards Rossi. I just don't – I've never made that connection with Rossi to be able to be like, whoa, this is crazy. I've got invited to go over to do that uh, – the ranch race and stuff. But, man, it looks like a lot of work to go over there and be really competitive. And even then, you might not even be competitive even by putting all the work in. So – Marquez for sure. He's he's the uh, the goat for sure. I think over there. I kind of wish that uh, Casey Stoner never retired. I think it would have been cool to see 
Stoner at his best, racing oh, uh, Marquez point. at great point, yeah, at his best. Just because uh, talent wise, from what I hear and from what I've talked with people, Stoner was equal talent as Marquez. He just uh, he just retired out of out of nowhere, kind of just uh, decided to hang it up. So that'd be cool to see what uh, I think Marquez got. I wouldn't say he got an easy shot uh, because MotoGP everybody's so fast, but. Stoner would have uh, it would have made made things a little bit more interesting. But uh, uh, a couple more for you. We'll we'll wrap it up. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, this one's probably a no brainer. I don't know why you. I know what you're gonna pick, and I disagree. Um, but Wawa or Tim Hortons? The coffee or just the store? Ooh, that's a Jake question. I guess we're gonna have to go coffee. I mean, you've been a, you've been away oh. from Mich- Michigan a while. You know, I'm sure you, you haven't had your Tim Hortons in a long time. I'm sure you've had to resort coffee to Wawa. Coffee, yeah, it's, yeah, it's coffee for coffee, Tim Hortons. But, like, <laughs> dude, Wawa's, I'd rather go to the Wawa and just walk around in the mall. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Wawa's, Wawa's pretty good. There's Those things uh, are legit, dude. They're pretzels yeah. that you got right as you go out to the check. Like, when you're checking out. They got the soft pretzels, right? They got the singles or the doubles. Dude, them things are so badass. I know, I know. You don't get the hot ones with the with the cheese on the inside of them. No, 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 no cheese. No, they're not on the they're not on the no meat cheese. diet. No, no cheese. They're not cheese. on the meat program. Cheese. No, cheese, no cheese. But you gotta give them the you gotta give them the squeeze test, and they gotta be soft, or they're hard and crunchy. They're there for a day or so, all right. So you gotta give them the old squeeze test, and they gotta. <laughs> Gotta have a little. They gotta have slow rebound. All right? So you're the you're the one spreading the coronavirus in Florida, squeezing all the goddamn pretzels at Wawa. Yeah, dude. If you walk into a Wawa in Pennsylvania, knowing that I'm in town, and all the middles are all punched in, you know that I was there. That's, that's me. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right, we got. Uh, well, we got one more on the list, but I want to. I, I have another one that I thought of that I think could be good. Um, okay. So, all right. It's going into the final round, championship. Uh, we won't say the championship's tied up. We're going in the final round. You have to win the race to win the championship, but you get to pick the track. What track are you picking? Oklahoma City Mile. Oh. What did you Both. think I was going to pick? Let me ask you that. Um, I would have guessed Lima. If I was picking a track that I was betting on you to win, that you had to win— I don't know, man. Briar's a really good cushion miler. I would I would go with the the Red Mile. From what I've seen at the Red Mile the last few years, you're almost. I hate, nah, I'm not even going to give you credit too much credit for it. But I'd pick the Red Mile. I, you're pretty solid at the Red yeah, Mile. Yeah, I guess I guess it. The question back would be, you know, it depends on who it was. Like, I remember when I used to battle with Smith back in the day, and. Um, well, you have to you know, win. Of course, he was on the team. Yeah, that's why. That's yeah, why I phrased it that way. You had to win because it doesn't matter yeah. who you're tied with in the points or whatever. You what what track okay. you so I had to win. Okay, so you're basically you're saying, all right, what race do I feel like I'm going in to? And I yeah, okay, I know what you're saying now. So basically, you're saying, hey, what race do you feel like you're going in and winning no matter what, no matter what time of the year it is? Yeah, Corey's right. Red Mile. I always have a lot of confidence there, and I've got a. I don't know why. I just went there one time and it was good, but I don't know. I always feel so good at Oklahoma city mile. Like everybody whines and cries about the track being rough and deep. And, and I just like, this is, this is kick ass. This place is awesome. So I would say the red mile or Oklahoma city is probably, um, 
my two choices. It wouldn't be Lima. Too much, too much can go down with Lima. Yeah. 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 Oklahoma City is a good one. I I like that one because it's man, it's one. It's almost like an endurance race. Like I don't know. It just kind of has a different. I mean, I feel like I take a different approach to it. It's like it's almost uh, it's like a war zone, man. Like it's so gnarly. And it seems like the race I know, that's is so. What I love about it. It's just yeah, it's just kind of a different. Um, I don't Anything know. Anything with you know, dude, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, everybody always pinpoint me as like the clay guy, you know, clay track dude. But dude, I'll be honest, like my favorites are the the cushion miles, cushion half miles. Like <clears throat> I remember last year at um, uh, what the, the Minnesota Mile, and Brian Smith was like the cushion mile master, right? Like, I mean, that's, he, he was solid those things and he still is. But I remember we were on the podium and I rode like three and four turns three and four. And I was like inches from the, the air fence, like a lap after lap after lap. And I was comfortable up there. Like I was like, man, this is good. It's smooth up here. I'm solid up here. <laughs> I remember getting on the podium and Brian got second. He looked at me and he's like, dude, I don't know if it's because I'm getting old or what, but I'm not into riding up in that fence like you were <laughs> anymore. Like I am <laughs> over that shit. And uh, but I, I I was just like, oh, that's my go-to spot up at the fence. This is this is good. Like I'm I'm into that. So I like the cushion. I'm a big fan of the cushion miles and the cushion half miles. And it's crazy. Yeah, a lot of uh, Pennsylvania riders have kind of turned into cushion riders over the years with. You do well at Cushion. Shane has done well at Lima. Brandon Robinson, he's won Lima. Jake's won a f- yeah. bunch of Cushion mile, Cushion miles, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's Pennsylvania. We don't have, we didn't have any of that shit growing up, so it's. Uh, I think it's, I think honestly, you got to keep your wheels in line no matter where you're at. Like honestly, like yeah, you, everybody thinks Cushion. You want to be sideways, but to be honest with you, the the, the closer you can keep your wheels in line anywhere the better you're you're gonna be you know yeah for sure Uh, and it's funny you say that like you always joke on me you always send me photos of me at lima going man you look like you're having fun and uh (laughs) you know it's i've always lima has always been my probably least favorite track but i don't know over the last couple years like i look forward to going to lima and and some of the cushion tracks because because i'm prepping it dog well, yeah, you're prepping it, I guess. Yeah, and um, the biggest thing is, like, a lot of the clay tracks now aren't what they were 10 years ago or, I don't know, like like um, Red Mile. Like, I don't enjoy riding around on six inches of racetrack. Like, I would rather, you know, that's, I mean, that's what I grew up on and I guess, or, I mean, that's what I should be good at, but. I don't, you can't I don't pass, like but, it, but the straightaways, no, it gets I'd rather, I'd rather hold the yeah. thing wide open and have some room, you know? Like a couple of years ago, like, well, two, three, four years ago, the Black Hills Rapid City half mile was so good, man. And then this year it wasn't terrible, but, you know, I would say like last year, Leedsport, they prepped that and that place sucked. And then, uh, the uh, the Black Hills Rapid City Half Mile this past year in 2019, it wasn't the same, you know, didn't have any, nah, didn't have the, no, the same kind of grip that it had in the past, you know, like, do you remember, remember in 
seven, I think it was, Jake. I think you were on the Suzuki. Remember how badass Joliet was that oh, night? Yeah. So sticky. Yeah, that was the best. Uh, that was the best clay half mile I think I ever rode. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you know it had. You know it had. Grip. You knew it had grip. I yeah. mean, a SV one thousand got third. You rode Joliet. <laughs> you you raced Joliet like it was a cushion. Like you yeah. literally brought it off in the corner to where both the front wheel and the back wheel were actually gliding at the same time. And then you like blurped it once, twice, and then boom, you shot right off the bottom. Like it was so sick, you know what I mean? But I think a lot of the reasons why the tracks were better too, and you know, Locke will shake his head on this one, but is because we used to start practice at like six o'clock. Yeah. That was, and we held the track together better. Yeah, now the, the tracks are worn out halfway through practice and qualifying. There's so many bikes. Yeah, once they get rubber, I mean, it's, you can't, water only does so much. I mean, once the rubber's gone, there's no dirt to kind of water. You're not really getting the traction that you, we used to get. But, uh, no, nah, I mean, they have good good days and bad days. Like, Williams Grove this year was better, I think, than years years prior and things like that. But, um Last one for you, man. You're you're a Florida guy now, kind of. I guess I'd consider you. But what do you consider home? Michigan or Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania. Yeah, it always be my home for sure. And I guess you're right. More of the, uh, you know, more that now I'm actually a resident down here in Florida and stuff like that. Like, I mean, Michigan's home in a way, but home home is is where you're born and raised. I mean, hell, I was born and raised there for 18 years or 19 years or whatever it was, and Name way to Michigan. I like Michigan. It's all good. Hate it in the winter, but Pennsylvania's home no matter what. Yeah, you. Uh, I mean, you are you uh, already a senior citizen, retired in Florida, or, or you plan on uh, making a move back uh, to to either Michigan or Pennsylvania someday, or, or you found found your new home in in Florida. Um probably gonna stay in florida don't i know that the house that i'm in currently isn't going to be the house i live in forever but uh nah man i want to i want to keep that pension and down here it's tax-free so i'm i'm just gonna hang out down here for a little bit <laughs> no I don't, I don't i don't i don't see myself getting old retiring and then moving where it's freezing cold but yeah true i don't my parents my my mom and stepdad claim that they're going to eventually come down when they retire and my uh, niece is kind of on her, on her own type of thing. So um, if they can move down to, um, to Florida, then I think it'd be just icing on the cake with for sure staying here. Yeah. That sounds good, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. I wanted to tell you real fast that I met your grandma at uh, Volusia. She was the one that gave me shit for uh not having good coverage at the winter throwdowns, she came up and apologized to me. I thought that was funny. I got to meet Graham. <laughs> she said she was going to. Yeah, she's 91. She gets around good. Hell yeah. She's like, I'm sorry. I just was – the coverage could have been better. I'm like, hey, you're absolutely right. I was like, we'll do better <laughs> next time. Uh, but... No, I told her. I gave her shit. I thought you guys were going to um, bust on me about showing Noah Chambers how the style is on the motocross track. Yeah, someone just someone texted me about that earlier that he claimed you look like a ninja turtle out there. Dude, he is so right. And when he said that, I like <laughs> out loud and like, went, went and watched some of the video and 
man, I feel like I move around a lot on that motorcycle, but then when I watch myself, I'm like, man, there's just no chance of me moving around. I don't know why, but I just, I have no body movement on that bike. It's just like I'm Velcroed in. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. Tony LaRusso, Tony LaRusso's got no, not much very style either, and that guy looks like he's pretty planted on the bike. And, dude, he hauled ass. Yeah. Yeah. I got to ride with you guys down there. Uh, listening to you talk about Tony, I had no idea who he was. And then, uh, looking him up and stuff, it's pretty crazy that, that he's, we were riding with a legend. So no, those battles down in Florida were good. You and Noah, it was, uh, it was entertaining, man. No, he'd get all pissed and flustered. Like Mises is fast. What the hell? Shit. I suck. I'm like, ah, Mises is going good. Ah, no, fuck that. I gotta be, you know, it's like, this oh, is funny dude, to watch. That one throwdown we had at uh, Orlando MX there, dude, that was, that was, I'd have paid money to do that again. Like, that was, that's what I live for. I love battling like that. I mean, some guys, like, don't want to battle. Like, they want to just go to the motocross track and, like, just ride. And that's cool. Like, it's all good. But I'm, man, like, I'm bad. Like, I'm really, really, really competitive guy. And, that's what keeps me motivated is competition, whether it's like mountain biking, road biking, or just motoring. So if there's any kind of like blood on the track that wants to, you know, get down and dirty, I'm all about it. Sometimes I'll, you know, me and Briar threw down a couple of times here and he kind of was hot and cold. Like, you know, Hey, yeah, I feel like battling today. Nah, I don't feel like it. And it's all good. Like, no, no, uh, no hard feelings. No, it doesn't give a shit. Noah will go. Yeah. So when we, Wow, he was always a lot faster too, you know. So, you know how it is when you're trying to battle with somebody and there's just no chance, you know. But for that day, I was feeling pretty froggy, I guess, and <laughs> was like, "All right, I'll, I'll I'll run with you, dude. Let's go." And I just I I got lucky. I latched onto his speed, and then I was able to kind of make some gains here and there that I found throughout the whole day. And it was a lucky a lucky six laps, but it was it was a fun six laps, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, battles at the moto track are fun. Um, me and Briar used we used to do that actually until we got lip pros, and then it all and then it turned into just single lap qualifying, and <laughs> then we didn't want to ride with each other because we didn't want to show the other one the fast lines or didn't want him to know I was jumping this section and he wasn't or vice versa. Um, yeah, so might have to throw that lip pro in the track and just or in the trash and just go back to. Uh, there's nothing better than just, you know, dicing it out. Who cares about lap times? Just latch on to somebody fast and, and uh, you know, go at it. That, yeah, is, that is a lot here, of fun. Here in Orlando, there was, there, was no, there was no sections. You know, Orlando was you could let off like 30 feet before the jump and like over clear everything. So it was really easy. And <laughs> so there was no sections where, you know, I think by you guys, you guys got some different stuff. You're able to jump and not jump. But, yeah, I, I like throwing down just – two dudes who cares about, I mean, I got a lip pro, but I like just going at it. Like no and I did that day or back in the day, like me and my buddy Craig ticket, we used to throw down the, the motos and it was good. A lot of fun. Right on, man. Well, thanks for uh, staying up late with us and, and talking. I appreciate it. And hopefully here soon we can get Tolbert on. Cause uh, I think we'd get, we'd have some good, good stuff from that too, but yeah, appreciate you. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. All right, guys, thanks a lot. And, uh, man, hopefully I get to see you at the races here in the next, like, 
six, seven, eight, nine months or something. <laughs> something, something. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see you soon. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you and Corey cleared up the, the beef you two guys had. Um, he always says you don't like him. So I'm glad that, uh, you were a- able to get past that and, and come on the show. He says that every show. I don't think he likes me very much. Man, I like you, but I like picking on you too. So it's like goes hand in hand, you know, <laughs> uh, I like everybody. I just give everybody shit. Yeah, we know. We like to give you shit too. So yeah. we know it's, we know it's past your bedtime. It's, it's, uh, past 10 o'clock here. So I know you need to go in and, uh, Catch catch the end of the ten o'clock news. Check your stocks and uh, get to bed. See what the coronavirus is up to now. Yeah. So. All right. Well, hopefully, right, uh, ho- hopefully, see you at the races soon. All right, guys. Have a good night. Thanks. All Peace. right. Later. Jared Meese. What an asshole. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh man. No, it was uh, it was good to have him on. Is like I said, I I figured it'd be a long one just because there's so much to talk about with that guy. Uh, yeah, it's a good interview, Jake. We uh, got a lot of good insight out of him. We were really close to calling Henry. I wanted to call it where Carter was, hey, let's call Henry and throw him in in the mix uh, just to uh, see if we do a surprise caller on Jared. But uh, we, we chickened out on that one. I don't, I didn't know how Jared how Jared would react to it. So Yeah, well, we'll have to do it maybe if we if we ever have Henry on the show. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll call Jared in and let him hash it out. But well, if we bring Henry and Jared on, the, the my biggest concern was like, what are we gonna do for the next thirty minutes? Like, just like Henry and Jared, just let them go at it. Yeah, if, if we're looking for a week off, hey Carter, we're not even gonna get on. Just uh, just dial up these two and I record it. I would love it. Yeah. I would love it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna you know quick go run some errands while they talk, but uh, everything's closed. So um, no, nah, it, it's um, shit, man. There ain't, ain't anything going on. We appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to the show. Definitely keep uh, subscribing, SoundCloud, iTunes. Give us a review on iTunes if you can. For, I think that helps us, you know, get uh, you know get found on there a little bit easier and things like that. So iTunes and Facebook, things like that. But not much else going on, Jake. Trying to stay busy. Trying to stay motivated. Virginia Carter just motioned in July 10th, July 10th or June 10th, June 10th, June 10th. Governor issued a statewide stay at home order for Virginia until June 10th. Well, there goes our riding plans for the weekend, Jake. Oh, (laughs) shit. Wow. Damn it. You know, with everything closed, we could just make a giant super motor course through town. Uh, You know, nothing's open, just urban supercross. Yeah, it was, well, it was funny. It's It's been pretty quiet here lately, but when all this first went down and everything started closing down, there were some kids. I didn't even know anyone around me had dirt bikes or anything, but there was kids on XR50s riding up and down the road. Uh, I looked out one day, here comes this kid flying down the road on an XR50. Some kid behind him on some scooter honking the horn, just like, it was kind of cool. Like, it's kind of how it used to be, but... Uh, but yeah, I, I guess we could just take to the streets. I guess I don't. I don't <laughs> Baltimore, know. baby. Yeah. Wheelie boy. Practice our wheelies and stuff. I guess. Yeah. Well, we'll work on that again. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. Thanks again, everybody. Peace. Peace. Flat track uh, Jeopardy coming coming soon. Coming soon to you.